The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The Word of God for this already, the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, is, is found in Exodus chapter 5. And and you already know that little by little by little, we've been working our way through the book of Exodus. And here we've come already to the first confrontation with Pharaoh. And if you're following along here on Zoom or on Facebook, I want to invite you to open up your Bible so you can have this lesson up in front of you and you can follow along there. And if you're here, it's right there on the sheets in front of you. This is Exodus chapter 5, and we're going to read most of the chapter here. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, This is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, Why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten. But the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are. Lazy, that's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble 
when they were told, You are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, May the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. This is the word of the Lord. Can you smell that? (laughs) That's what Amanda said to me one day. In fact, she didn't really say it. She shouted it. Can you smell that? And I responded and I said, sure enough, I can smell it. You see, I I have to tell you, and this is a little known fact about New York City, that there are actually skunks in the city. Did you know that? So a couple years ago, just a couple houses down from us, we had this little backyard, a skunk family moved in. And this skunk family would come, and two or three of them would pass through our little itty-bitty New York yard, at around the time when the sun would go down. And we did everything that we could to not have a skunk encounter either ourselves or our little dog, Cooper. But here's the thing. We let Cooper out one night, and we heard something happen in the backyard, and we let him back in. And then Amanda said to me, Can you smell that? Apparently, Cooper had a run-in with the skunk family. Now, Cooper reeked to high heaven. I mean, it, it, was, it was really bad. He, he, he reeked like a porta potty on an August day. Okay? He, he reeked like dripping garbage that you bring to the curb. He, he, he reeked to high heaven. In fact, he reeked almost as bad, not quite as bad as the Hebrew people in this lesson. Because they reeked so bad that they could actually smell themselves. Did you notice that in this lesson? At the very end, they come to Pharaoh, to Moses and Aaron, and they say, You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh. And I've got to tell you, that's a smell word. That's an olfactory word. They stunk. They were noxious fumes to the nostrils of Pharaoh. In other words, and this is the title of the sermon this morning, they were a, quote, holy stink, okay? It was bad. And I want you this morning to remember the stink. This is where I get serious. I want you to let those pungent fumes fill up your nose for a second. I want you to have an olfactory experience and breathe 
deeply the holy stench of the Israelites. Because it didn't have to go this way. A lot of people think, well, Pharaoh's such a stubborn and bad guy, and he was. That this was inevitable. But it wasn't. In fact, if the Israelites had avoided a couple of things, things could have gone differently as Exodus began to happen. This morning, I want us to learn to avoid becoming a holy stench to the world by avoiding two things. I want us to avoid, as a church, the wrong means, and I want us as a church to avoid the wrong goal. So I'm going to talk about those two things here this morning. You see, Exodus wasn't supposed to happen this way. The Israelites, the Hebrew people, had, were going about this in the wrong way. See, the God of the bush had come to, Pharaoh, to Moses and Aaron and given them specific instructions about how to go to Pharaoh. And he had told them two things. He said, I want you to go together. I want you to go as a united group. Okay? I want you to go, you and the elders of Israel, you, Moses, and Aaron, together. But you know what they did? Jewish tradition says this, that Moses and Aaron set out to go and talk with Pharaoh and ask for this freedom to worship with the elders of Israel. But as they went along the way, one elder fell off. Another elder fell off. And by the time they arrived, only Moses and Aaron were left to talk to Pharaoh. And that's where our lesson starts this morning. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, but without the united presence of the elders. This was their first mistake, but not the gravest one. There's a second problem with the means that Moses and Aaron use. You see, God had actually told them exactly the words that he wanted them to say to Pharaoh. He told them this. This is back from chapter 3. Say to Pharaoh this. The Lord, the God of Hebrews, had met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. And that was it. They were supposed to go and ask nicely. They were supposed to go and ask diplomatically. But what do they do here? The very first thing that they say to Pharaoh is what? They go to him with a prophetic oracle that God had not even given them yet. They say the iconic words of Exodus. They say the song that little children still sing today, let my people go. But see, they weren't supposed to say those words. Not yet. They wanted to come with the strong arm of the Lord, the law, instead of with winning words, with gospel words, with evangelical words. And it didn't work, of course. You know, their, their own methodology, their own means that they had invented. It didn't work. In fact, Mary re- Pharaoh rejects them right off the bat. And so then Moses and Aaron decide, okay, now we're going to do it the Lord's way. Only they didn't do it the Lord's way. In fact, they used the exact words that God had given them, the God of the bush, in Exodus chapter 3, except they added this little addition. 
They say, Pharaoh, if you don't let us go and worship, this is what may happen. God may strike us with plagues. This is Exodus 5, verse 3. God may strike us with plagues or with the sword. Would he really? Didn't they just sort of add on, sort of like Eve added on to God's command in the Garden of Eden? Didn't they just tell a monstrous lie about God? That if these enslaved people did not worship God on time and in the right way, God might like take a sword and just strike them down. Isn't that just a monstrous lie about God. Now, let me ask you this. Who's worse then? If God is really like that, that He'll strike you down if you don't worship Him on time and in the right place, who's worse? Pharaoh or the Lord? You see, the Israelites had become a holy stink. They had told a monstrous lie about the Lord, to try to get Pharaoh to do what they wanted him to do. And I want you to take a good long whiff of this. My dad, my dad told me this story recently because it had impacted him so much. After the recent storm, Isaias came through, he was working with a guy to clean up the property out in Long Island that the church has out there. And this guy told my dad a story. He said, I gave my life to Jesus. And then my church asked more of me. They said, we want you to worship on Mondays. And then he started worshiping on Sundays and Mondays. And then they added another day, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And it turns out that, that he was at church so much and giving so much money to the church that his family life began to fall apart. And then his business started to tank, and he went to the pastor and he said, Pastor, I can't do it. I can't be at church all the time. I can't give all of my money to church. And the pastor said, you don't have enough faith. So then the guy starts to pull away from the church, and the members of the church start to give that person the evil eye. You know, the evil eye, like, you're not, you're, you're not a good Christian like the rest of us. And the question is this, what kind of a God do we worship? Do we worship a God who, who, who demands that we must worship Him on time and in the right place? Or do we worship a God who loves not only enslaved people, but who loves Egypt enough to come to them with gospel words? A God who would rather die than condemn the sinner. Who would give His only Son for us. What a holy stink when we make God into a monster. But it gets worse from there. <laughs> it gets even, we might say, if we continue in this olfactory experience here this morning, it gets more stinky from there. It turns out that 
these slaves actually didn't really want Exodus. Let me ask you a question. Does it disappoint you a little bit? What God asks for the people? It's interesting, right? He doesn't ask for their freedom. He doesn't ask them to be let go out of slavery. What does he ask Pharaoh to do? Only to give them three days to go and worship. And it turns out that the people really didn't want Exodus, did they? They really didn't want to go. And the big culmination of all of this is that they would go out into the desert sea to worship the Lord. In fact, their goal was so wrong that they immediately and shamefully turned on Moses and Aaron. I mean, it's amazing. They actually called down curses on Moses and Aaron after one setback. They say, may the Lord look on you and judge you. Let me ask you something then. Did they really want Exodus or did they just want to be more comfortable in Egypt? That's a key question, isn't it? And it's a question that I want to ask of you here this morning. Do you really want Exodus? And here's what I mean. Do you want to go out into the desert where there's nothing else, there's literally nothing else to do except worship the Lord and be with Him? Or would you rather be more comfortable in Egypt? What would you rather have? Do you really want God to bring about Exodus? Do you want to be with Him? Do you want God to set you free from your sin? so that you can be with Him forever? Do you want want God to help you put aside the fear and the shame and the guilt that has us so entangled sometimes so that we can just worship Him? And you know when I say worship Him, we worship in spirit. And in truth. Do you want to be more comfortable in Egypt or do you want to be with God forever in the new heavens and the new earth with our Savior Jesus so that He says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Which one do you really want? Because I think that this enslaved people just wanted to be more comfortable in Egypt. And they didn't yet know what it meant to worship in spirit and in truth. But wouldn't it be incredibly sweet if they did want that kind of exodus? See, I want you to think about our church for a second. What if as a church, we helped people find the true God. And, and not the God that comes and threatens and condemns, but the God who in free and faithful love, the God of the bush, the God of the cross, who came down for us and became incarnate, the God 
who loves us to death, what if we were a church that decided to proclaim him? What if we resolved as a church not to make people more comfortable in Egypt, that we would take people instead on Exodus? Take the people, the Egyptians and the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt that we might worship the Lord in spirit and truth. You know what I I would say about that? That kind of a ministry wouldn't stink. It would be a sweet fragrance, wouldn't it? Like, Like the smell of coffee. Pumpkin coffee in the fall. Like in the summer, the smell of honeysuckle flowers. The smell of maybe a brand new car. It would be a sweet fragrance. Take a deep breath and breathe in the goodness of our God. This is Exodus with the right means and the right goal. Amen.